Deshaun Watson. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. Your Houston Texans are in the playoffs after an ugly win in Tampa to get to 10-5. The visit of either the Steelers or the Bills awaits to NRG, but is this 2019 team ready? Your guess is as good as mine, but the AFC South is not enough. Welcome into another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. Your Houston Texans are in the playoffs. A 23-20 road win at Tampa Bay in an empty Raymond James Stadium. An early Saturday kickoff with an early Saturday feel from your offence as well as the TV broadcast. Like Rich Eisen, fantastic broadcaster, does a great job of the draft. Um, but it wasn't one of his finest calls in the game Winston Watson Confusing the two uh, was about as on 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 level or as in tune as the Texans' offense was all day. It was a crazy game, uh, not for the purest by any stretch of the imagination. Scrappy, undisciplined football by both offenses. Seven turnovers in the game in total. Could have been more. Two from the Texans, and it was it was a strange day. I think the early kickoff and the criticism of Deshaun and continues to be the criticism of Deshaun Watson is in the early games when the lights aren't bright when there isn't a sense of you know everybody's watching he's just not in tune he's off because when he's on he's on we've seen that against Kansas City we've seen that against New England and we, you know we've seen that against the Chargers we've seen that and you know at the big game last week against Tennessee but the consistency of this team in 2019 is you know with the playoffs just around the corner is lacking. I think it has to be a concern for all Texans fans at this stage because, you know, year three, okay, it's maybe year two and a half for Watson, but of a franchise quarterback, things have to be better than this. And as a fan base, people have to demand better than this because it's just simply not good enough at this stage. Now, you know, you feel in a privileged position to complain about winning. Um, but we went 11-5 and five last season. Potentially, I've got the opportunity to go eleven and five next week against Tennessee. But at this stage of you know the O'Brien era of the Watson era, with if you encounter all the or include all the trades, all the investments into the offense, this needs to be better, and there needs to be a more level of consistency. The highs are high, but the lows are really low, and there is no middle ground at any point that this offense seems to find just to grind games out. Um, and it, if it hadn't been for the Jameis Winston interception jamboree that he put on show for the Texans' defence and gave them some really easy picks, then it would have been a much different story. And only a t- only three-point margin was, was uh, in many ways, it was kind of hard to watch where the game game was going because, you know, Winston could score at any point um, and, the t- and the Texans just didn't seem to find a, a groove on offence. The defence found some consistency in the second half, got them off the field and there was just enough done by that, them as special teams to, to win a game. We're in the playoffs, doesn't really matter how you get there, it matters what you do uh, when you're there, uh, but potentially either a visit of Buffalo or a visit of the Pittsburgh Steelers, depending on how the Kansas City result goes against the Chargers in Week 17. And if, the, if they're to lose and the Texans to win, then the Texans would play the Steelers uh, 
in the in the uh, in the wild card. So I, look, it's it's a it's a concern because you know the the players have you know of the performance like that is the players have a t-shirt that says the South is is not enough, and I think that's got to be the got to be the mantra for this franchise because we've now won this AFC South five of the last six years and it's you know it's great to do that and yeah you get a t-shirt and you get a hat but it doesn't really mean anything after it's all said and done nobody ever got got to the canton by winning divisions and particularly in a division where there's been you know fluctuations at quarterback at your nearest rival in Tennessee Andrew Luck retires at the start of the season the Jackson Jags implode once again in Jacksonville so you know this division in many ways you could argue has been handed to you um, but the Texans have won so many big games this year that it gives you some levels of hope. But then games like Sunday just think, well, could we just be one and done again in the playoffs and it's all rinse and repeat. But anyway, let's have a look back at the game on Saturday against Tampa Bay. An early kickoff, limited fluidity of the offense held the Texans back. All game, missing completions on the first drive. Hopkins is wide open on a slant. Watson misses him, and it just seemed to be that kind of day for the offense. Watson just wasn't stepping up into the pocket, continued to scramble rather than keeping his eyes downfield, and almost a kind of sense of panic. When the line, the line protected him reasonably well, Nigeria Pierre Paul um, got three sacks on the day uh, for Tampa, and he looked, you know, looks to be back at his best, was a premier pass rusher before. His firework accident, but I think you know the Texans. Okay, the, the the offense was not balanced. Thirty-seven yards on on total for the day, uh, by the by Watson, sixty in total um, as a total rushing attack. Duke and uh, and Hyde's longest run of the day was six yards. So they were always going to struggle against GRP or Paul, uh, Ryan Nassib, Dominican Shu, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, you know, Marcus Goldston, you know, good, they've got a good solid front and there's a reason why they're, you know, leading the league in, um, in, in, pat, in run defence. Uh, but they're, you know, really, you know, reasonably inexperienced with, you know, relying on Jamal Dean and, and, uh, and Sean Bunting um, on the back end. And it seemed like an opportunity for the Texans to go and attack a passing defence uh, with, you know, with, you know, three premier wide receivers. Now that turned into be two premier wide receivers. And we'll come back on to that um, before we, we wrap up today. But it just seemed like, uh, you know, there was an opportunity there to go and, you know, stretch out the playbook a bit, put some things on film to make things, make teams think about some of the packages that we could do in the passing game, but it just wasn't there. Titus Howard, I think, has missed big time. I think Chris Clark is a candidate for this year, is, uh, you know, or the 2019 Cherise Wright Award, a player who just looks like he, he has played some years in this league, but his time is up continually looks physically overmatched, is not able to hold up in the trenches. Did some okay things um, in the run game here and there, but the, the fumble from Duke Johnson, uncharacteristic of Duke, was predominantly because, okay, and you've got to you know say about Duke's ball security, he's got to maybe do a better job of protecting himself and the ball, but Chris Clark misses a block from a linebacker, which seemed almost harder to miss than to, to block. The ball pops out and... You know, it was just one of many. You know, one of the two turnovers on the day. The second one we'll come on to, but it's it, it's not. You know, it's not optimal for the for the offensive line to be rotating. And I think when execution is one of the main themes, and the the issue with execution um, is be, is is if you know or a <coughs> execution or by an offense is 
is a summation of so many parts and when you continue to rotate variables out of that and, and perhaps the one area that needs the most consistency it just does not make sense to me um, Rod Johnson did some things uh, in the in the run game. He got walked back by Pierre Paul for a for a sack, and you know you could argue if he'd been in another game, he's got he's got a bit more of a of a of a, of a footing in the game, and he doesn't get caught cold coming in. Out Greg Mans came in again at right guard for Zach Fulton, which again I just don't understand. If Fulton's the man at right guard, you keep him in there until he's not healthy. Um, and so it it just seems like we're we're causing some of the issues ourselves. But we'll come on to to more of them. Uh, as, before we wrap up but again it was the, the, the health of the offence just like it just reminded me too much of last season when we went to New York on the Saturday game uh, Demarius Thomas got injured and then in the, in the Eagles game the week following uh, in the, the, the penultimate game of the season we couldn't run the ball down the stretch Hopkins was injured now you know Fuller's injured Fuller was injured again last season albeit a bit earlier than he was this year um, and struggles to not stay healthy but Health on the offence potentially is a concern. Duke Johnson took a bad knock in the, to the head. I think his head slammed off the off the field turf when he stretched out for a, a first down um, on, on, a, on, a, on a pass play. Carlos Hyde went into the game with an ankle complaint and you know, he looked like he was dancing around the, the, the line a bit and wasn't being as decisive with his cuts as he has been in previous weeks. Tunsil didn't finish the game. Uh, Stills came up looking limp at one point he did come back in but then again wasn't out there for towards the end so um you know is there is are these all factors which could contribute to killing the momentum of this team if we go into the playoffs whoever we play um and it's 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 a concern and we'll come back to the offense and some of the problems with it because you know this team will live and die by the quality and the output of his offense but the defence, I think, deserves credit and, you know, they were made to look good by a, an erratic Jameis Winston. He's been like that all season. He might be in the 30 for 30 club, 30 passes, touchdowns and 30 interceptions is, is more than a possibility for Jameis this season. It must be a, a terrible uh, struggle or a, in a, in an evaluation in that building. Do you keep somebody who can put up big numbers but just refuses to be careful with the ball? And you saw that on the first pass play of the game, Bradley Roby. Um, cuts out an easy gunder thrown uh, out and you know if you throw an out like that it's obvious you've got to put a bit of zip on it so that uh, the receiver doesn't undercut it and he, he did that the Texans go 6-0 up Kami okay, kicks the point after on the next drive the Texans on a similar look they start off with a cover two bail out of that Justin Reed then goes and enters the centre of the field and it was as if Jameis didn't read it whatsoever. And it should have been another six, and the Texans could have been 14-0 up at that point if Chuck Ameni, who wasn't flagged for a blindside block, watching the playback was difficult to, to see exactly um, how how it was flagged. But again, it was it was just another another you know ebb and flow of the momentum that kind of went against the Texans on, on the day despite the win. The defense, you know, continued to give the ball back to the offense. If you think of the fumble we touched on earlier, J. Joe only played six snaps on Sunday, something to watch for this team and perhaps a just an evolution of now all the pieces that they uh, that they have. I think Garrett Connolly was targeted a number of times um, against Bashad Perryman. Obviously a guy's bounced about, didn't quite work out for the Ravens, but he's he's definitely a speedster and um, you know they, they definitely went after Connolly a number of times. I think Roby had a game to forget particularly on that that pass um, to to the to a guy on his first start, his first ever catch to set up one of their scores in the first half, and you know you can't be too critical of the corners because I think ultimately this team has zero pass rush and it's going to kill this team at some point because 
it's just not able, you're just not able as a corner to continue to cover people for four to five seconds when there is no pressure up front and the quarterback's got time to, to redirect routes, put, you know, the scramble drills start and it's, you know, it's a, it's a thankless task at that point. It's a heavy workload for the corners as well when that, when that happens, when there's no pass rush up front and, and it continued to be, to be the, the case all day. Um, you know, despite the four interceptions, um, you know, there was, you know, obviously the game plan from Cornell was to drop back six, seven guys in the backfield and only rush three or four at times to try and make, you know, bait Winston into mistakes. And, you know, they got four on the day, um, which was great to see. Um, Jilly Ladai's um, pick late as well. That probably should have killed the game. We'll come back on to some of the game time decision and management of that. Uh, but again, Ladai's been a good addition to this team. Ferran Hargreaves was out there a lot in in, uh, in nickel and dime packages and and it was you know I think there was there was some there was some method to to what Cornell was trying to do I think when the blitzes came was because was was then Winston resulted in mistakes more often than not I think he you know that's probably his biggest weakness is when he's trying to trying to release the ball and um, he's got people bearing down on him just as any quarterback but I think he he tends to throw more interceptions under the blitz so it. Uh, that that came Reed and and Connolly should have had uh, interceptions in the in the first half and put, and on both which were you know can contribute to 10, 10 points for Tampa in the in the first half if they don't take that the Texans probably go in at the half with a much bigger lead rather than being tied after being given such an early lead it should have been fourteen it was only 10, 10 to zero um, but it was it was definitely something that that they uh, that could have gone another way. The Texans still gave up 335 yards on the day. Um, again, the biggest biggest issue with that is the pass rush. There is none, and that is probably why there's so much talk of JJ Watt coming back. Obviously, Jacob Martin has been a positive addition, but you can't rely on him down in and down out. He needs to be a you know a rotational complementary piece, and um, you know don't let the three sacks on the day two from Merciless, which was good to see. Brandon Dunn, good to see a guy that works in the middle of the trenches and doesn't necessarily get some recognition, get on the stats. On the on the box scores, but it it was you know glaring as it has been for since what went out, and it was almost glaring before what went out that this team is a substandard at pass rush, and it's its biggest weakness. Now it just shows you how much this team has changed. The pass rush is the weakest element, and actually the 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 defensive back room, the corners and safeties, more so corners perhaps and safeties. I think there's still probably improvements to be made there to Sean Gibson. Took a terrible run fit for the run that Ronald Jones broke one and got them back into the game and, and set up a field goal. Um, well, albeit it was blocked by uh, by um, Angelo Blackston, his second in two weeks. Um, and it was you know it was uh, it it was good good to it was good to see him doing that. He's, you know he, he was questionably uh, over rewarded with a, a contract in the off season, but um, he's you know he works hard in the middle there again. Another guy like DJ Dunney that doesn't get necessarily the the plaudits that, that he would get, um, he'd get otherwise if he was playing another position on the defense. Um, but it, it was it was certainly certainly good to see, and it was you know looking at the final score, it was a big swing in momentum for the Texans and kept kept the game tight. When certainly the Tampa were, were driving, it looked like they could potentially score at any minute. Zach Cunningham as well had a huge pass breakup on on OJ Howard in the in the uh, in the fourth quarter, and he had another great game, led the team in tackles. He's had a career year. Nice, nicely timed for him and his agent to go and negotiate with Chris Olsen in the front office, but Cunningham was all over the place 
Um, Jarrell Adams got a, got a, a contributed to stripping the ball out for one of the the, the, the fumble um, from from the running back of, of Tampa, and he filled in reasonably well for Bernardrick McKinney. But they definitely missed McKinney on the day. Vernon Hargreaves was great to see him getting a getting a uh, a TFL as well uh, against his old team. Didn't necessarily have the, the greatest game in there. He's you know he's been pretty solid at the nickel. Since he's he's uh, he's come he's come into the side, but it was um, it was it was certainly a busy day for the for the offense, just as it was for special teams because the offense couldn't stay on the field. Former um, Tampa Bay but Brian Angle with five punts on the day, two down to the side. The twenty a strange series of events where it appeared the Texans were going to go for a fifty-three yard field goal, um, but then they opted to to drop kick it and try and pin them back. It did land in the twenty, not quite in the corner as perhaps. Um, Brad Seeley had drawn up, but it was a busy day for the, the special teams, but they were solid all day, continually, continually flipping the field, and Brian Anger, I think, settles into this team after coming in mid-season for Trevor Daniels. Seems like the um, the operation of the field goals has improved. Came, he kicked two in the second half, which was big for the team, three in total on the day, um, which you know ultimately led, led to the win um, for the team. Uh, but we'll come back to the offense, I think, because ultimately, that, that's what that's what you know this team will will, will you know where it starts and ends uh, for them. And you know, there's I think some headline reasons of why this offense is not playing as well as it should do based on the talent it has, or or continually reaching the levels um, that the performance that it has done in in certain weeks. But execution um, is there. I think if you look post the the Jejo uh, INT that he got for. Um, when he did a really good job of boxing out the receiver, managed to get his body in front of him, uh, caught the ball, gave the 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 the, uh, the the offense the ball back, and you know, and they had good field position all day. Uh, but if you take that series of play, for example, they they get the ball back, run run a run a quick uh, inside zone at the middle, doesn't necessarily bear any fruits. Then they they try to go for the shot. Now if Zach Martin and Max Sharpen managed to hold the, I think it was VTV up up the middle, uh, and and not allow him to collapse the pocket. Kenny Stills is gone and in behind, past every DB, and he, it's, if he gets the ball, it's a surefire touchdown because there was nowhere to be, no one there near 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 him, you know, within five yards by the time he by the time he he, he broke on his post. So it, again, it was just just another example of that. I think there was another um, a play action play um, where. Were on the one drive in the, in this in the second half when they when they when they came out um uh to to get their first set of points in the second half, Tampa covered up their their two two wide receiver route play action pass that's been a staple of this offense up to this point. Watson then scrambles, finds fails, then they start to run the ball and it looked like the offense was potentially at that point starting to find a groove. He misses, and then Watson again just was missing receivers, not reading the field. He missed Aitkins a number of times, um, wide, wide open. Fells the same, Hopkins the same. So there was a play in the in the fourth quarter where where Watson's scrambling continues to run, and it just has to be dumped off to to Hopkins, and he, he just doesn't do it, and continues to run, and he, he you know almost like a sense of panic or just not you know reading the field correctly. He missed, he missed. Uh, Duke Johnson, a clear just dump pass into him. He almost kind of sort of over, 
over uh, stretched it stretched as he threw it um, when he didn't need to and he could have held you know just you know if his his foot you know his footwork was off and potentially that was due to the lower ankle injury but if he just dumps that into Duke Johnson that's a seven and probably you kind of get a bit of breathing room at that point and the game's not necessarily as as close. Um, you know, it looked like they started to get going. He found it on the exact same concept from the play prior that um, or route concept that he that he missed Kenny Stills. They ran the exact same with Fells. Um, a judge to be down at the one yard line, which was correct, and then uh, they moved up the ball up to the one and uh, and then ran it in um, for a score. But in the first half, this team had less than eighty five yards, and it, it was through the air and. You know, Tampa had handed ten of the seventeen points they had to them in the first half, so it just can you know it just was not a great day numbers wise, and and just visually watching this offense did not provide any confidence as we go into the playoffs. I think that another another headline of this offense is situational awareness. The interception before half time was you know was criminal. You're about to get the ball back in the second half. There is no rush to, to try and score. The game's tight. You're up seven. And then, okay, Watson underthrows him. And you can excuse that partially. But what what was just not not acceptable from an offensive point of view is at the end of a half, just run the clock down. There wasn't much time left. Winston then gets some big plays and goes up the other end and scores. But it, it just was... There was not that underneath short passing game to find a rhythm for Watson. There's continued to... Too many long developing route concepts, and there doesn't seem to be that underneath, underneath tight end game that, that can that can more than be a staple of the offense. Jordan Thomas was inactive on the day. He's a piece that I don't think we can afford based on the way the passing game is going. Um, to to not be active, Kiki QT should still be on the field. I don't see why the Texans don't try have Carter trying having DeAndre Carter and QT on the field at one time because these are two shifty, quick guys under the middle that can find space. Now Carter was open many times and he did lead the lead the team. In, in receiving yards this week Hopkins didn't seem to have a great game but it wasn't really down to his doing it was more Watson just continually missing him but the big the only probably big player highlight play of the day was uh, the pass into to Carter which set up the winning field goal in the second half but it just there just needs to be more matchup problems created like that one in Carter who was matched up against the linebacker he, Watson found him down the field set, you know, set up the drive for the field goal that ultimately won the game but there needs to be you know that element built into the game plan because when the staples of the offense, that you know the stuff in the flat, the rollouts to the tight ends, the dump off passes, the quick outs, the play action to what two wide receivers routes are all being covered by teams because there's so much film on it. The Texans are going back to that almost arrogantly from O'Brien at times, and we'll come on to O'Brien. But it just seems like we we continue to we continue to, to, to go to the concepts and teams have seen the tape and we're, we're probably trying to tread the same road too many times and look Ian, we'll come on to Brian in a second but ultimately Watson was off on Sunday there was a series of plays which we'll tweet out on the site that, that he just continued to miss easy passes the lack of run game didn't help him but when when the game when the late game when the game was late then the clock needed to be bled the, you know the short high percentage passes need to be built in and taken him and you know he just was missing wide open guys all day. He wasn't seeing the field, and from a franchise guy at that st- this stage of his career, 
we can't take. You know, there was a, a an example where he where he turned around to hand the ball off to Hyde, and he, he turned the wrong way. I just think is that's purely he's not in tune with what he's doing. Um, the, as I said, the dump off to Duke Johnson missed completely. Aitkins was open so many times that he just completely just did not see guys you know standing in acres of space and then then scrambles and okay it gets dismissed and people that might not watch the old twenty two back home maybe not pick it up but it just wasn't you know it just wasn't there. Um, so finding these easy crossers these these slants dig routes this needs to be. Um, this needs to be built into the offense because they has to legislate for problems. And when the big, the big, the big play, big catch ability is not there, then you know it needs to, it needs to be the game plan needs to be refined, and you need to be able to to respond to what defenses are giving you. And you wouldn't swap Watson for many quarterbacks in this league, and you you were perhaps being overcritical of him because only because this team feels like it's underperforming at times. And these guys are getting paid too, as often the players will say in the interviews post game. But ultimately. There needs to be, you know, some some improved output in that middle ground of offense that we can find to, you know, to put up 28, 29 points a game without necessarily playing well and, you know, and finding more variances in the game plan. And then just later on, I think again, I mean, O'Brien and Watson are symbiotic in this, and you know they'll live and die together in this franchise, and Watson will likely outlive them. Um, but in in terms of this season and next, it will be it will be a case of of, of you know there's very much two that are tied to the hip in terms of the Houston Texans' success. But that the hard work that they, you know that they put in, um, you know, was was despite you know all of it was handed to them this game. Um, There was, you know, late on when the team were driving, they get the ball back with three thirty-four to go. O'Brien doesn't challenge the spot, um, and then there's a, a fourth and short to go for. And the biggest, probably positive of O'Brien is the increased aggressiveness to go it for it and fourth down. Seems to have moved away from that in the last couple of weeks, which again, as we go into the playoffs, is a concern. Uh, but you know, the game was there to be killed. They didn't challenge the spot. It was a terrible pass play call to, to start to start that drive. Took a sack, stopped bleeding the clock, and it, it just seemed from there that it was it was uh it was it was a poor answer in the press conference. He said Tunsil went off effectively in O'Brien's language, said he made a mistake, um, didn't go for it. And the game should have been killed there with three and a half minutes to go, you know, when Tampa didn't have all their time out. So now they get the ball back again the the, the um after the Jalila die interception. The game should be done. One twenty-seven on the clock. There is no excuse other than to just kneel that ball out. Why are they running the ball? Why are they risking a fumble? Why are they risking injuries? It just seemed like the game awareness and everybody on Saturday was off. Maybe it was a short week. It wasn't pretty, but again, you know, we can print the t-shirts, we can print the hats. We're in the playoffs with a game to spare. Which, if somebody offered you at the start of the season, you would take. But there was a lot of concerns, particularly on offense. That may make you think we could potentially be one and done this season, which you know nobody wants to have that as their ceiling because it's perhaps the most frustrating position position to be in football because it's it's not it's not where it's 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 not success and it's just above mediocrity. So it, it's you know we're delighted we're in the playoffs, um, but if it hadn't been for the interception festival and and uh, and Winston missing uh, you know wide receivers wide open. Uh, in the end zone, a number of chances where he could have taken go ahead uh, touches. We would have been coming down a winner takes all in the last week of the of the 
of the season against Tennessee at home and you know now we have the ability in a late kickoff uh, or a later kickoff because Tennessee can still win and go into the playoffs if they win the game we'll know the result of the Kansas City Chiefs so if the Chargers are to win then it is you know then potentially the Texans will go go full bore um, to go and win that game and try and put some stuff on tape for the the week prior because I think based on the quarterback alone and what's that's what it boils down to this into this league is you what you you probably take the Steelers with Duck Hodges um, or Mason Rudolph or whoever they might roll out there I mean it's a strong defensive unit just like you know um, we faced on on this weekend I mean the stronger the defenses we've faced we've not particularly done particularly well bar the New England game aside. So either the Bills or the Steelers are going to be a tough matchup for this team, you know, and we'll, we'll have to find ways to consistently run the ball to balance out the offense. We'll have to, you know, have a more rounded passing attack with the slot receivers and tight ends if we're going to be successful against teams that are good at rushing the passer, particularly both Buffalo and New England. Um, sorry, Buffalo and the Steelers are, are you know, are good up front. And 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 they'll and they'll cause us problems. So you know they'll they'll see what these teams have put on tape. So it's going to be you know a big two weeks for the coaching staff to not be one and done. Um, and that hopefully the 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 Chargers can do as a favour and Philip Rivers can have uh, a um, a, fine, a good final game of the season after being booed on the field in Carson last week. But it's uh, and and potentially then the Texans have got a more favourable matchup based on New England, but. You know, trying to pick against New England, who will probably find a way to do it. They looked improved against Buffalo, looked more creative on offense. It's going to be a tough challenge, just as it will be. Um, play, you know, playing the the Ravens, but we've already you know played both those teams, and and based on the first the first outing against them, it would be obvious you would take New England. So if we can get the third seed this week, and I think that's potentially a big plus for this team, uh, because it, if we are to play New England. Um, uh, in Foxborough then you know I, I would fancy to go there and get a result more than I would at Baltimore at this stage with the level they're playing at uh, this season uh, but ultimately if you're to get past that you still have to take Baltimore so at this stage glad to be in uh, but there's some big red flags there the defence isn't strong as what we need to be we're going to play against big strong defences in in the in Pittsburgh uh, in, or the Bills which could easily you know go either way for this team um, so as we move into the playoffs, I think once again in the O'Brien there's just more questions than answers. Again, we're at 10 wins, potentially be 11. Uh, a chance of a third seed. Should have, It feels like there should have been a lot more for this season, uh, but we're not. But we're in the playoffs, this, you know, but this this ultimately, as a family, it needs to be clear from us that the South, AFC South, is not enough at this stage and a run in the playoffs. Anything less than you know than two wins in the playoff is probably a failed season based on the amount of resources we've we've brought into it and, and brought and traded for draft picks with Garrett Connolly, Tunsil, Stills, Duke Johnson, all these guys. It, we're not quite a win now team, but we're getting there. Um, so this season has to show progress. And if you know if Watson can get hot in the playoffs and on big stages, you would never bet against them. But again, there's just too much up and down of this team to give you enough confidence that we're going to do anything this year in the playoffs. Hope would prove wrong and the Watson can find a Joe Flacco-esque run in the playoffs and just be lights out every game and teams will not get close to them. We don't necessarily have the, the defence that, that that Ravens Super Bowl winning side had, but there's certainly enough in there. Potentially, if you get Watt back, I don't know what he'll be able to do. If we can get Jacob Martin back, just have some form of pass rush and just do enough to give the ball back to this offense and Watson and Co can stay in gear, providing Fuller can come back um, and and provide you know positive for this team. And I think the final note of this week you want to talk on the the Will Fuller effect. 
no longer can it be acceptable with Fuller's track record of health that this offense cannot operate without him. There has to be a way to find ways to be productive without him. And that is on the coaching staff. That is on the players to execute, but it's also on the coaching staff. It is night and day when Fuller's on the field and we can't be so... That's one of the biggest reasons why we spike up and down. Watson needs to get in tune with the other receivers and you know Fuller is a luxury but it's a luxury we won't always have and that needs to be planned for if we're going to be successful because it, it appears now from the Ian Rappaport report this week that he will not be in, on the field to come the, the first wild card game and only will return if we get through so we might not get there so this, you know, this, this week and next is a big challenge for both teams uh, to, to face but the Texans have to find a way to be productive on offense and move the ball consistently, consistently rather than go forward. And that's all we've got time for this week on the Turn Up For What podcast on this Christmas edition. Have a great Christmas, whatever you're doing and wherever you're downloading from. The Cowboys aren't in the playoffs. It would seem as the Texans are in the playoffs once more. There is only one team in Texas. And wherever you're listening from, thanks again for all your support and messages this, this year as we've started this podcast. Have a great Christmas. Playoffs to look forward to. A week 17 clash against the Titans. And hopefully a run for this team in 2019 and it's all been worth it to this point. Signing off for another week, we are Texans.